Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk. It's been a while, lads, hasn't it? But we are back. The jump season is gearing up again, so we're gearing up again. I guess we always have been a, a jumps racing podcast primarily. A little bit like that that teacher you had at school who, who did PE and then a little bit of geography. That, that was a jumps racing podcast that occasionally finds time to talk about the flat. Uh, but no, we will be back and we will be back regularly as well over the jump season. And just to have a little bit of a a starter to wet your whistles and that for the jump season. We've got a cracking guest on for the first show of the new season. I'm delighted to welcome Paul Ta- Paul Taylor to Turf Talk. How are we, Paul? Very good, guys. Very pleased to be on here. Hope you are. Yeah, it's uh, class to have you on with us, mate. As per usual as well, James Watson's still here. <laughs> I'm still here. Can't get rid of me. Uh, ten days till Chepstow now, and uh, the national season's about to get underway, and I'm, I'm buzzing for it. Oh, I, oh, I proper, properly can't wait. I'm already in national at more than all the arcs this weekend. I'm so excited for that. There's a novice chase at Warwick tomorrow that's got a couple of half decent hurdles going over fences for the first time. I'm more fussed about that. I'm more fussed about that. Absolutely pathetic from me, but we move. Uh, Paul, absolutely buzzing to have you on with us, mate. Uh, we're going to run through your team for the season a little bit later on in the podcast, but. Uh, First of all, can you just give us a bit, I guess, go back to the start where with you and racing and how it all, all came about? Yeah, ha- happy to. Um, so I'm from a small town near Blackpool and, um, you know, there aren't many people from there who've got a sort of racing or farming background. And so I guess my introduction to, to racing has been through sport. So massive sports fan uh, as a kid, watched and played almost anything, uh, played football to half decent level and I guess the main intro was my mum took me to Blackpool dog track when I was about 12 and um, it turned out my uncle was running a ringer over from Yorkshire in an open race that they'd called Kevin for the night and um, I remember standing there with my mum and family and it got backed in from some ridiculous price to favourite and won by half the track and you know I think that sort of seeded my interest into sort of gambling and you know all, all things racing um so that i think that was the starting point and then really had a very close group of friends going into sixth form we were bizarrely all national hunt fans uh so quite quite unusual and um a, again highlight with those guys in 1992 we managed to skip lessons get the only television that was working in the in in the living sentence high comprehensive and watch screen cool ground out home at 40 to 1 in the in the gold cup but my mate had been tipping all week, so we had it right off. And, um, you know, after that, we were hooked. And I think, you know, as a group group of mates, we, we'd we make the pilgrimage to Cheltenham every year. We've been there, you know, from when it's a three-day festival every year, bar foot and mouth. So, you know, it hooks you and you get into it and, you you know, you like the characters. And, um, you know, that's where it all started. And, you know, luckily enough, was able then from there to own, a, you know, a couple of shares in horses in this sort of 2010 time where I met Richard um, and had some horse on the flat with Jim Boyle all sourced by Rostrell the agent um, and you know we had a, a sort of modicum of success nothing nothing startling but you know more importantly we had some good days out um, you know Jim and Ross became very close friends and then I made the move to Dorset from London in about 2014 
I'd seen a lot of Colin Tizard on on the television, and he always struck me as somebody that um, I'd like to train train one of our horses one day. And that was it, really. So Ross found his lost in translation. We sent him unseen to the Tizards, who thought it was a bit odd that somebody they'd never met had just stuck a um, you know a massive staying chaser into the stables without even so much as a cup of coffee. Um, you know, I guess the rest is history. So um, we've gone from success to success. We've been very, very fortunate over the jumps. It's mental. It's absolutely mental. I never realised Emmett Mullins were your uncle. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's pretty shocking back in the day, and I'd be the first now. I'd be the first now to be screaming about um, the shunter and things like that. So, but uh, <laughs> at the time, I was happy to pick my twelve quid up. So, yeah. Oh, I. Oh, as long as we're all on the right side of it. Yeah. Uh, so, so you said you first, you know, you started getting into like semi ownership and that around 2010 and that. Do you know? Do you, can you remember who the first horse you had any direct involvement with was? Yeah, we we bought. Um, so we, our, our budget was relatively limited. So we went to the Breeze Up Sales at Kempton, and um, we in, in fact we so we had a, a short list of about three or four and then one we ended up we got outbid on one and um uh, bloody i forgot his name now but he went on to win ascot actually it was a spades down but it was a rig so we didn't we didn't buy it and it went to i think it went to it's far he i think it went to far i remember the name anyway we missed that and we bought what, what i sort of fell in love with going around the paddocks was a an invincible spirit filly that was she was well bred but and the reason we could afford her was she had incredibly sore shin she was pretty small and she we called her a spree dancer um and i think what ter- what turned out to happen she'd been overtrained for the breeze ups she didn't grow as expected but she gave us a good day out at brighton once where she um you know she romped home at a decent price and and then we we we, we stopped with her and i think she had a a small time trying to breed um but that's um with, with little success and then we bought in, in fact we bought a horse off Ross Doyle at the time that they bred called Atlantis Crossing um so two-year-old relatively modest two-year-old um he was our first winner uh Richard and I went up to Wolverhampton one night there's about four people there and uh, <laughs> we felt very bad because um you know, he was showing lots of ability at home. He'd run useless on, on the track for four or five times. He was at a basement mark, and um, we we managed to put a fair few quid on at 40s, I think it was, at, at, with the local bookmakers when there was nobody, um, you know, no, nobody there, and you know, picking the winnings up with the trophy wasn't uh, a highlight of our our career. But yeah, he 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 won at Wolves. That was our first winner, and um, yeah, he, he actually progressed to be a horse in the sort of low 90s um, and that, that was about as, as good as we had on the flat up, up until recently and, and and going back to like when you were growing up like you said you know going back to Cheltenham and, and uh, bringing tellies into school and that to watch Cheltenham who, who were your favourite horses growing up which were the ones that really got you got you hooked on the game I think I, I, I think your knowledge grows doesn't it so originally um i knew that i preferred national hunt to flat but i didn't really understand the season and and, and necessarily the levels of the of, of the grades of the races and, and i think when i first started to really understand it, it was probably mid 90s and i guess the first horse that really sort of took hold of me was a horse called dublin flyer um 
which you'll have heard of, you may not have seen, but um, so Tim Forster horse used to massive stamp of a horse, looks, looks very similar to Lost actually. Um, and he won some, you know, big um, staying handicap chases, um, leading from the front. He won the, the Maxins or what is the November Cheltenham race. Um, and yeah, fell in love with him. He, ne- he mean, never at the absolute top end. He, he finished some place in gold cups and he's pulled up in a gold cup and the like. But he was just through his, his attitude and his, his size, I guess, would be the first or, or, or be, you know, he, he wasn't a, an absolute superstar, but he was very, very good. Um, and then I, I think, you know, where I was really, really enjoying it and really got into racing, you know, the, the horse that stands out would be Moscow Fire. So, um, you know, to me, he was absolute perfection. You know, we, we clearly like to buy horses to win the Gold Cup, but if we could ever find something that would win a, an Arca or, or a Queen Mum, you know, you'd be absolutely delighted. And to me, there's no better thrill than, than seeing them at full pelt um, going, going over the jumps. And, you know, for me, Moscow Fire, the beauty of him was, you know, he's pretty much unbeatable for three or four seasons. You know, he only got beat when he fell. Uh, and that bit of vul- vulnerability sort of helps with the story, doesn't it? But, um, you know, he, he'd be the, he'd be the absolute standout, I think, from, from my, my time in, in going to Cheltenham. Obviously, myself and Jim have kind of been blessed with, with, you know, a great period of two miles recently for us to go up with in Sprinter Sacra and Altior. How, how does Moscow Fire compare to them two in, in your eyes? I think, I mean, I, I think at his height, and, and you know, my own view of Spencer Sacker is I don't think he had so much to beat. So whilst he was incredibly impressive, I think in these, in his heyday, what he was beating at Cheltenham and an Aintree so easily, there were small fields, and that, you know, there were either good horses that were, you know, past their best, um, or, or you know, relatively moderate horses. Whereas I think Moscow Fire, if you go back to the, you know, the types of horses he was running against, your Well Chiefs, your Azertiops, um, you know, it's that absolute top class heyday um, times for the for the two milers. So I'd have them. And you've got he's a horse that, you know, they believe that is the, the only horse that could have got is the Brat beating over hurdles at his prime, and um, he had an incredible engine on him. Um, um, you know, brilliantly ridden by Garrett, who was a favourite of mine at the time, and uh, obviously trained by by Jessica. But you know, a- absolute top class. Uh, I, I guess then, if if you could own one horse from the past, would it be Moscow? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I haven't got the the breeding tone, a Galileo or a Frankel, so <laughs> it would be it'd be. Uh, I think it'd be yeah, Moscow Fire. Uh, the, the other one, I'd say, um, and relatively controversial, but. I loved Archibald as well, and uh, <laughs> if, if it was a horse ever made for Paul Carberry, that that was it. And you know, everybody talks about the champion hurdle. I actually think he gave him a great ride, and things just trans, you know conspired against him. The gap opened up too early for him. But you know, for anybody who wants to know how good a hurdle is, if you if you go back to his, he won the fight in fifth twice, and I think he beat English Draver first time he won it in a hack canter and just absolutely destroyed them. And um, he was he was a breathtaking breathtaking hurdle. Speaking of horses you'd like to own, Paul, if you're going into this season, is there any horse that you wish you could own? Um, I mean, avoiding the obvious um, 
you know, the, the obvious ones like your honeysuckles and the like. And, you know, looking a bit below that, I think the horse that will make, in my view, will make most progression this year outside of ours would be Echoes in Rain of, of Willie Mullins. I think she improved, so she's head case. They couldn't hold her for the first part of the season, refused to settle. Um, she's bred in the purple, out of authorised, and um, I think a King's Best mare. Um, I know they think a lot of her at home, and um, I, it's hard to write, she's rated low 140s at the moment, but I don't think she's had the chance to prove herself, and it wouldn't surprise me, you know, on good, good to soft ground, that if she puts it up to them by the, you know, by the, by the sort of big festivals next year, I think she'll improve a ton. Um, and it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't surprise me if she's single figure odds come, come, uh, champion hurdle time next year. I like that. I really like that as a shout. Might get some each way pennies on. Uh, I, I guess bringing it, bringing it back to your horses, I, I guess obviously the headline, the headline act has always been lost in translation really over, over the past few years. How quickly did it become apparent to you that he was a genuine grade one top class animal. Um, well, he came with. So the backstory is, we'd asked Ross to obviously to find as a horse to go to the Tizards, um, and this was the a horse that Ross knew well. And the only problem was he'd been working that well at home that he was going to go to a point to point, and I, I believe the um, the Gigginstown guys were. We're waiting to, to buy him when, when he won his point to point and we couldn't agree a price ahead of them for him to come to us. Um, so he went to run a point to point and led and then just faded away, taming to a, a fourth. And, uh, so obviously the, the big buyers were out and, um, we were allowed to sort of take him at reasonable price. And, but, but again, um, so Willie Codd, who's the trainer at the time, said he's, you know, he's a Saturday horse. He had no, no doubt he's a Saturday horse and his, his horse had been running under a bit of a cloud at the time. So we, we thought he was going to be decent. Uh, Colin liked him when he came over. Um, but it, I guess it's hard to know. It's the first horse we'd had with Joe and Colin and, and, you know, we, we didn't want to run him that year. I think the ground had gone against him when he came over to the Tizards, which I think was a blessing. And then we waited until, you know, he was, the, he was five for his season when he was five to run him at, at Chepstow. And before then, Ross said, um, he's, you know, he'll absolutely hack up in the novice hurdle. Um, and they were very bullish, but, you know, I didn't know how, you know, if Jim Boyle had told me that, I'd have, he was the most pessimistic man going, I'd, I'd have happily waded in. But I had no, I had no judge, judgment on Joe. And, um, you know, if, he very nearly did win. He sort of over jumped one a few out, but then you look back and he got beat by dynamite dollars. So you never know what's lurking in the, in, the, in those races. But I, I think following that, he looked like he had an engine and then, you know, got beat the next time at Newbury and then won a hell of a novice, um, next time up at Newbury. And at that point, I thought we had something decent and, um, you know, in this bizarre, we didn't want to stretch him that year because we always thought he was going to be a big, chase the need to grind himself but if you look at his run in the supreme he was blocked at a you know a, a really important time where he was, he was absolutely cantering through the race and that's you know robbie thinks he'd have finished certainly in the first four which given the horse of his size and frame to finish in the first four in a what what i think was a decent supreme looking back that was um 
I think we knew we had something special there. Yeah, unbelievable. I think Jim was first, first quite uh, encapsulated by him really after that supremer at Jim. I think I think you were very keen on him for a for for the Mersey when he ran second to Black Op. Yeah, I thought he was massively eye catching, and like you said earlier on, Dynamite Dollars he bumped into that day. Um, a tremendous horse uh, for the Nicholses as well, and it was his size and the way he went about his races, like nothing even bothered him. And um, absolute giant, the neck on him is beautiful, and uh, and then nearly at Aintree got a bit of justice, but a, a cracking horse. So obviously, then he went over fences the season after that. His first two runs were, I mean, came up against Labago Wahoo who made a cracking start to her chasing career and then he met Deffy Desoy for the first time and, and did him in, in the dipper. How was that day for you, Paul? Well, I'd, um, I'd been working pretty hard, actually, so I was doing a lot of travelling at the time and uh, one, of the, one, one of the only ways to appease my family at the time was that I was going to take them away for the, the New Year break, so it was actually in Dubai and um, um, so I was watching that on the phone and... Um, yeah, I thought he was beaten, and then he came screaming back, and I think my phone went about 40 metres towards the pool when when <laughs> won. My daughter told me off for embarrassing the family in, in what was a very nice upmarket hotel that we probably shouldn't have been staying in. But um, it was, yeah, amazing. And I, I think, um, you know, looking back, I mean, the immediate, the immediate view of that, for me of that race that you know and uh, it's not with hindsight and we, we said this that his big danger in the marsh was going to be the thing he'd, he'd, he'd won because you know I, I did have the feeling um we'd we'd sort of caught him by surprise a bit and then you know the hill played to our played to our strengths and then you know he, he went and reversed the form next time out didn't he and um and, and then obviously headed to headed to Cheltenham and um, always amazed me actually. You you, uh, you talk about the great jumping rounds of novices at as at Cheltenham and you know, every everybody talks about Vautour, which I think looking back that was a pretty weak JLT if you look if you look what was in behind the likes of Apache Stronghold and things like that. And I think if you look at the the JLT that Lost was in with. You know, Defidisoy, uh, Kildisar, whole host of real steel, whole host of things in behind. You know, I, I'm biased, but if you see a novice jump better around Cheltenham than that around a jump, and he went, you know, he reached for one and then went a bit ho- higher over the next one. But other than that, he was absolutely foot perfect and, you know, gained length at every fence. Um, he, he, I mean, I, I thought he was a superstar that day. What What was the mood like in your camp after? After the JLT, was it was it more disappointment that that you hadn't been able to win the race, or or was it did it build on the excitement with with further confirmation that we've got a proper top class one who who can go and win Grade Ones? We we, uh, we were delighted. I think um, you know we knew how good Daffy Desoy was. We knew he jumped well. Um, you know, said so the, the form was strong. We purposely, Colin was very, very keen after the dipper to run him in the three miler, the RSA. And, um, you know, having been at Cheltenham over the years and think about the horses that have come through that, to me, it's a bit of a graveyard for, for young staying chasers. So we were very, very keen to, to avoid it with, with lost. I think if you've got a plodder, fair enough. Um, but with lost, we were keen to, keen to avoid it. I think, you know, the Tizards didn't have a winner that year and Colin's pretty certain that if we, 
if we'd have run him in the three miler with you know Santini, Delta work and uh, top of the game that he thinks we'd have you know he, he, he believes we won we'll never know but um, I think we did the right thing by the horse and you know we went on to Aintree a good few weeks later and you know I, I think that was him at his absolute best wasn't it yeah, yeah, you talked about magnificent rounds of jumping. That that stands out one one of the best days of watching racing and seeing him jump that day was one of the best rounds of jumping I've ever seen from from a horse in in that uh, mild mate injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I'm normally <clears throat> extremely nervous when I watch him, and more so than when I watch anything else. Um, but it was it was almost surreal because I had a good group of mates around me in the stands, and from you know two fences. Uh, from from the start, I was pretty certain he he'd won it. Just the way just the way he was travelling, you know, way top of the game looked to be being scratched along a fair bit. Top of the game in the in the parade ring before, you know, it's not a surprise. He's a supremely talented horse, but for him to carry that frame on those legs is um, and the size of him, it's not surprised that he's, you know he's fragile. Um, and you know, if you're looking at Hawk, lost in comparison to him, he's he just like a beast and um and, and ready so yeah he, he was amazing that day and um yeah it was some, it was some party yeah i i think after, after the uh the mild may was kind of the first time i i really bought into what what jimbo was on about and then i bought into it fully after carlisle yeah that yeah. was astonishing yeah um I mean, Robbie, Robbie's view of that race is, um, you know, he went, he, he was fresh, but as soon as he heard the crowd, he, he just started showing off. And um, I didn't actually make it up that day because it's a long way from Dorset to to Carlisle. And um, and but mates of mine are up there said they'd never never heard a crowd ooh and ah as much as when a when a horse jumps a fence. And um, you know, there's still people talk about it. You know who I meet now that uh, you know it's like it's, we were there moments I guess and um, yeah super exciting. It was it was that fourth last jump where he absolutely took off from another county almost and absolutely flew over it. I, yeah. I, to this day, I, what a jump that is, and it's, I found just a fantastic resource. Yeah. And then probably, I mean, I'd I'd describe it as the the highlight of Lost Career so far. I'm not sure whether you would eat as well, Paul. But the Betfair, a good Betfair as well. Bristol de May throwed on and Bally Optic, who had who just come off uh, winning the Charlie Hall in opposition. Yeah, Frodo. I, mean, I mean, they put forty events on Frodo, didn't they? Yeah, it's, it, it it was a, an astonishing, astonishing performance. I was certain he was going to win the Gold Cup after that. What was it like for you? Yeah, it was. Um, oh, it was just amazing. And um, I, I was there. Yeah, my my, my da- I didn't have a doubt that he he'd stay three mile, but I didn't think I didn't think he'd be asked to do it that way. I thought he, if he was going to win it, he'd sort of cruise through and and um, and win it that way. When he got in a battle and. You know, stayed away. You know, uh, against Bristol to mine. Maybe the ground was a, a little bit too quick for Bristol. But the, I was there thinking, well, on on everything I know that you know, if we get in there to the Gold Cup in one piece, he's he's got to have a hell of a chance. Um, you know, look 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 to have everything right. So um, yeah, it was exhilarating. Yeah. 
And then the, the rest of that season, obviously, he pulled up in the King George. Yeah, that was, that was just, body, but that's really, that was, really strange. And um, Robbie said, he, you know, he nearly took him out before the start. He just felt terrible on the way down to the post. And it was a very sticky ground. And he did a similar thing, actually, at um, Haydock as a novice hurdler, where he just hated it. And the sort of, almost like the wheels were spinning, I don't know. But um, we'll never know. We ne- never know, do you? But um, I guess... It was then a race. We had to give him some time off, give him some checks, and then the only the, the only way we could get a race into well, we couldn't get a race into before the Gold Cup. We had to take him to Larkhill for a, a, a race course gallop, and you know that's it's not the ideal preparation. But um, and given the way the the Tizard horses were running that week, I'd you know the, Colin approached me the night before saying he thinks we should take him out, and. Um, I'm glad we didn't, because again, I mean that that we had my wife and daughter come up for the for the day. It was absolute heart in the mouth when he, you know, if you'd have told me as a as a kid um, from near Blackpool that we'd have a horse jump the last fence of the gold cup in front, I'd have, you know told you you're having a laugh. So you know, did us so proud, and, and you know he was ill for days after that gold cup. He, you know, clearly the horses weren't right, but. I think he just, you know, he was fit enough to get away with it, not ill enough to get away with it, and I think he put up a hell of a performance. Yeah, unbelievably entertaining race as well. To have that many horses coming to two out at Cheltenham with still with a chance, I think it's the the most I've ever enjoyed watching the Gold Cup. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, we lost last season. Things things didn't quite go to plan. Uh, how is your head of this year? Well, yeah, I'd say it's a comment we'd say for, you know, and Colin and Joe wouldn't, wouldn't mind me saying it. I think the pretty much most of the horses were sick through last year for whatever reason, bit feed, whatever, low level bug. And we know that these things happen, right? From time to time it happens. So I think in general, the horses weren't well, um, you know, the pockets where we had the odd thing win. Um, but he'd looked like he'd come back to some some sort of himself. um in, just before the Gold Cup, which is why we ran him, and then you know he, the fact he couldn't lay up with Native River, you know, brilliant stayer, but didn't like the ground and was struggling, and we went from cruising behind him to not not laying up with him. It was pretty clear there was a there was a problem, so we sent him away to do some checks that you couldn't do in the season. So we did sort of deep checks on physically, and they found you know a pretty serious respiratory problem. So. You know, the one thing the vet said to me was how he's how he's managed to do a lap of the the gold cup in that condition and sort of congealed blood in his lungs and stuff is is just ridiculous. Um, so all that's all that's been cleared up, um, and we're just gonna. He looks he looks absolutely brilliant. That's, uh, it was at the yard last week. He looks um, superb. You know, there'd be a temptation. He had he's had a wind up again. Just clean clean that up and. Um, you know, there'd be a temptation that he could start up in his work now, but you know, speaking to Joe, he's in no rush, and I think we're working back from the Gold Cup, um, and we, we'll see how it goes. Really, um, I, I, I'm still of the view, <laughs> and I, I've been proven wrong twice uh, given he's pulled up. But I'm still of the view that the King George's is the perfect race for him because you've got to jump around there, you've got to stay um, as long as the ground was fine. Um, but whether whether we'll have him right in time or not, who, who, who knows? 
do, do the team see it as a little bit of a, a little bit of a free hit we've lost this season? And we've, I, I guess, coming back off after a, a bit of a, a campaign that that had problems. Th- th- there's no real pressure on him this year. Um, I'd say so. The sort of public perception of the Tizards is, you know, uh, happy-go-lucky, um, you know, good fun, all the rest of it. I'd, I'd say, having known them for a number of years, they're nice people. Don't get me wrong, but they are steely and determined, and um, I don't. I, they want the pressure to be on, and um, you know, they're they're they are passionate about getting this horse back to where they think he should be. Colin thinks he's a you know a gold cup winner as good as anything he's had. So um, you know we've got a lot to prove going into the season, but I you know I, I, he can't be in better hands. And obviously you mentioned Joel has his name on the license this year. Yeah, I think he's doing his badges. I don't know at what point it changes over. I think um, again from from observing the yard for a number of years. It's been a family, um, you know, it's been a family um, affair for a while. You know, obviously really unfortunate that we, we lost Kim over a year ago, who's a massive part of the yard. Um, but you've got, you know, Colin and Joe. Um, I don't think anything really changed. So Colin's there when you go schooling on a Wednesday morning. He's there at the top of the gallops looking at the horses. Um, you, know, you probably see Joe going racing more Um more than Colin, but they are a team, and you know I don't think there'll be much, much change. So looking ahead to to the rest of the squad this season, you've got quite a quite a nice bunch of of younger horses, I guess. Before before we go into them, can we just ask what what sort of stuff do you do you look for, and, and obviously uh, the Doyles look for when when you're purchasing a horse? Yeah, I, I think. Um, First and foremost, we're you know Richard and I are you know we're, we're not experts at, at this. So people who go around and um, you know we've got lots of owners and our wonderful sport who think they're experts at most things, aren't they? And um, we're not we're not that. So we we've been to enough sales and seen enough races to know the type of horse we're after. So you know there won't be too many ex flat horses that we'd be looking for for example so we you know typically going down the stores or point to point route for what we're trying to find um it's we're clearly trying to find a gold cup winner if we could get you know anything to compete in the arca or queen mother champions chase great but the you know that's a, that is our priority so we're looking for big stamps of the horses um we relatively fussy over over the sire, mainly through you know from Ross's perspective. Um, but the one thing about the Doyles, even on the flat, the the, the one thing they concentrate on is physical constitution. So um, it's no good being you know bred in the purple and, and not making it to the race course. And you know you see lots of these top lots in the stalls, sales that never even find themselves onto the race course. So we're we're blessed that we've got the right people working for us if we you know we, we buy horses on scene with Ross which you know that 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 would be very very rare but the you know our trust levels are such and um that we know um that he he looks after as well so we we we're basically receivers of expert advice and, and, and not much more than that so looking ahead to this season obviously with your more senior horses this year Probably the headline amongst them, would you say, would be Fiddler on the Roof? 
Yeah, so he, again, he performed well last year, and I talked about not running horses in the RSA. I guess we did with him because I don't, I don't think really there's many other options, and it looked like a, you know, all playing for second place behind, uh, you know, Monkfish, who's sadly out for the for the year. Um, we were very, very excited about him as a novice hurdler, and we thought he was the best chance of our week going into the year, the year he ran in the Supreme. He won a week toll with we know we know that now, but actually if you look at his other form, it stacks up Edward Stone and um Tynehill with Philip Hobbs he, he came second to in the Persian War and he just gave a feel to to Robbie and others that rode him that he just he, he was tanking through his races, pulling and had a lot to come. And then last year the feedback we had from the start was that he seemed very relaxed and almost sort of lapsidaisical and got slower and um and that didn't really sort of chime with what we knew from the from the you know the the year before and you know you said lots of people and quite fairly if you look at his performance on the track we call him a, a bit of a slow boat and um thankfully he's come back into training this year he clearly wasn't well but ran okay a few times last year um but he's got that old feel back to himself now. So, he, you know, the, his riders are struggling to hold him when he gets up to the top of the gallop. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that we see, see him back to something like his, his real self. And if that is the case, he jumps well enough. And um, I think he, he could have a hell of a year. There's still a bit of juice in his mark as well, uh, I think. Mark of 148, is it? He's off, yeah, he's off one four eight. So I think the idea is we take him to the Colin Parker in the in the intermediate chase um, that obviously lost one. Um, let's talk about Allart going up there. So that'd be interesting as a as you know a, a judgment. See if he has progressed from this year to last. And then the idea is you know the, the mark shouldn't be touched for for that in, intermediate chase, even if you won won well and um, then straight to Hennessy or the Ladbrokes Gold Cup. I like that. I like that we're talking about horses having having entries in the Hennessy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big okay. saying handicap chasers. Exactly. What we look for? Would you consider maybe giving him a national entry as well? Um, not thought about it actually. To, to be honest with you, I, I we've got of all the gin joints um, who was you know, disappointing towards the end of last year. I'm, I'm convinced he's a. He'll be a, a stare to follow this year. There's definitely some juice in his mark. He's off 138 or something like that. Um, albeit, um, you know, there are others close to him who don't believe he'll stay that far. But uh, he, I'd have thought that'd be a, a nice race for him. But, um, yeah, potentially, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, I guess especially with all the gin joints, if there are stamina concerns, if you look at the horses who were at the front end this season, there weren't too many that that you'd have called out and outstayers. No. But we'll out of all the gin joints a bit, obviously. One at Exeter last season as a novice, and he ran on Grand National Day in in what can usually be quite a decent handicap chase, respectable enough in fifth. Yeah, he got. Um, I don't think it was Robbie's finest fine, finest ride. We don't criticise jockeys; done brilliant for us. But he saw. I think he just got ran into quite a little lot of trouble that day. Um, which wouldn't wouldn't have um, wouldn't have helped his cause, but he, he yeah it was a prom- promising race, and I think you know might so if you go back to his Exeter win, I can't remember the Hobbs horse that he beat, but it's a decent Saint Bart's. That's it. That's a he's a he's a decent horse, and I thought I think thought he won that fairly comfortably at a time when the stable were in the doldrums. So 
We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, he's going straight to the Badger Bears chase um, at Wincanton. Um, and I'd you know, be very, very hopeful of him in running a decent race. And of course, you, you've still got reserve tank as well. You know, a dual grade one winner. Yeah. Hurdler. Yeah, he's, he, this is seven. He's, he's, um, he's seven. He's won two grade ones and a grade two over fences. And um, he's, you know, originally we, we struggled with him because he, he struggled with uh, ulcers, which is why he didn't really start blooming until he got to Aintree in the... Um, in, in the Grade One, uh, novice hurdle, and then obviously went on to win at Punchestown, which was a cracking day. Um, and then over fences, um, hated it at Chepstow when his first novice chase on the ground. Ended up winning the uh, Future Stars at Wincanton pretty easily. And then we were going to put him away for for the winter because he he just doesn't like the weather and his coat goes and he he, he looks terrible. Running running one more time at Newbury where he was just awful and then. And, it was just a struggle to get him back, and then he got injured at Cheltenham. And then, you know, last year was about trying to bring him, bring him, you know, back back to health. And um, he was pretty miserable, I thought, through um, through Cheltenham and Aintree, and then started, you know, probably ran within twenty pounds of himself in a couple of races later on, and a bit of progression. But again, he's looking great now. Um, we we're wondering what to do with him, but we we the target at the minutes to go to the old Rome Chase and. You know the ground should be okay. Um, you know the, we we think he, he might have the right sort of profile if he's come back to his best to some to run well in that. And um, I think hopefully he'll run well in that. Maybe one more, and then we'll put him away for the for the a spring campaign. So so we'll plan A for reserve tank this season. B chasing. Yeah. That's interesting because obviously it's, it's not it's not been since since uh, the JLT. We've not seen him over fences, and his his run over hurdles at Stratford last time that was probably probably his best for a long time, considering he bumped into a horse called Hooper, who's was on, on absolute fire this summer. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. I think if you go back to that JLT and, and watch him for the first circuit and a half, and, and look at his jumping, he he was magnificent, um, and then he that's where he got injured. Um, so. He, you know, he, he reckon he's one of the best horses to school at Johnny Fogarty's. Um, he's athletic. He's got time on his side. So, you know, that, that that's the aim. Um, you know, if it doesn't work out, we, we can always revert back. And, and on to the, I, I guess, the more dark horses, Jim will know quite a lot about these. Uh, Killer Kane and Chirocco's Dream both going chasing this season? Uh, yeah, so um, Killer Kane... So it was the owner's day um, a couple of weeks ago, and um, Ross was over. You know, of all the horses we got there, he's the one that looks like he's physically progressed um, the most. He looked, he looked really quite special, and um, you know, he's he's on a, a, a pretty amazing. He's off one two nine. Cause, you know, frankly, he didn't have a chance really to show much of himself last year. I think the, the idea is to go novice chasing. Um, now we'll take our time with him because I'm pretty certain out of all of them, this will be the one that will progress through handicaps and 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 be in decent novice chases come the come the festival time. So um, there's a novice handicap chase at Foss last in a few weeks, but whether the ground's good enough or we'll be quite ready for that 
I don't know, but we'll, we'll be taking our time. But um, if he can't win a novice handicap chase off that mark and, and progress, I'd be I'd be surprised. He looks he looks lovely. Would you prefer the ground to be better for Killer Kane or softer? No, I need well just 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 in terms of safety and you know first time over fences a bit bit of dig in the ground. I think I think he, he certainly handles good ground, but I, I wouldn't want to say he's he's a big stamp of a horse now. Yeah. Seen on um, you know on, on fast ground. Yeah, got his spoke. He's made in the year last time. Um, yeah, the, uh, last season. Form before that in, in a couple of good made in the novice hurdles as well was impressive. Finished ahead of Danny Kerwin, who I know people have a laugh about. He's been, he's been novice hurdling since the Victorian times, but he is he is a fair yardstick. Finished ahead of him on his debut at, at Aintree, half brother to go native, cracking prospect, and then also the mare Shiroko's Dream, who finished runner up to another smart horse of Tizard's uh, Rose of Arcadia in a point. Yeah, he was a. Novice hurdling last season and all the fences this time, is it? Yeah, she was never right last year. I mean, she's the um, she she's the worst tempered horse you'll ever come across. So I was, I was there last week, and if you turn your back, she she'd have a good bite of you. She's um, she's she is fierce and she's filled out. Was completely sick all that year, and I must suspect she she will end up she will end up novice chasing uh, this year. May take a novice hurdle on the way. Um, Depending, but she she looks in good nick. The programme's there now for mares to go over fences, isn't it? It's, it I, I guess there are there are harder ways to win black type than to potentially, you know, hunt round and try and finish placed in a in a listed mares chase. Yeah, she doesn't because she's not uh, British bred. She doesn't qualify for any of the the bonuses, but um, the programme's there, and I, I we hope we'll see a different horse this year. But let, let, let's see. And I'll throw this over to Jim because he'll he'll know a fair few a, a fair amount about about this group. Atacan, Amarillo Sky, Numbers Man, no hubs, no hoobs, Leroy, Leroy, Jim. Uh, Which name stands out most to you? Uh, Amarillo Sky, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, Newton Abbott hurdle beating Harris to serve, uh, I thought was a really good performance and properly stamped his mark on where he is and uh, quite an upwardly mobile. Animal, and I'm looking forward to seeing him this season. Paul, what's the plan with him? Yeah, so um, out, given given the year, I think he ran well. So he right, obviously we paid a lot of money from it, the Cheltenham sale because we we knew he was in Colin Bowes, you know, top one or two horses um, that year at home, and he won a point well, and um, so he came with big expectations. Um, now I do know Joe. When I when I first went to see him, when the horse arrived, he, he didn't think much of him, and uh, wasn't showing anything on the gallops. And I think we saw that on his debut at Newbury, and pretty disappointing. And then he he started to flower a bit towards the back end of last year, and showed a bit of his ability. And then you know he's, he's absolutely transformed now, and a beautiful looking horse, and um, great great head on him and he shows a, an awful lot of pace at home and I think we were trying to drag he probably wasn't well and we were try, trying to drag him out over a slightly different distance we got the trip run at Aintree he was last off the bridle and just didn't stay and um, we are, the aim is to go for the Welsh champion hurdle at, um, at Fosslaff to start start out um, it's off one one three two I think at the minute and um you know, my hope, and it's probably um, 
you know, dreaming. But uh, my hope is he turns into an arcal horse. But he's clearly going to have to to go some to do that. But he jumps well, schools well at home. Um, he's clearly got gears, and um, he's, he really looks, you know, really athletic. So I'll be hopeful for a decent season for him. Interesting, mate. That's interesting. He's a very, very promising animal. Uh, of of the youngers we just mentioned, I guess Leroy, Leroy coming over jumps this season. Yeah, so he's at gyms. He had his first first run over hurdles um, last week. Knocked into himself, so he'll be he'll be on the easy list for a few weeks. Um, he, he needs decent ground. I think he's handicapped well, um, and you know, hope, hopefully, we'll pick up a novice hurdle in time. He, he has got the the scope, I think, to jump a fence. So maybe we'll play that by ear as well. But um, yeah, he, he, we picked him up for next to nothing at um, horse in training sales. So he's, he's, he's done us proud. And the others, uh, no hubs, no hoobs, numbers, man, Atacana are all a little bit more under the radar. Yeah, so Atacana raced uh, another Johnny Fogarty horse uh, that Ross had an involvement in. Sent him over by Sindar, highly rated, giving him time. Um, looking all right in the gallops, was a bit lazy last week, but you know it's early days, so we'll see. But we'll bide our time with him. Probably one bumper length novice hurdles, um, but he look he certainly looks the part. Uh, no hubs, no hoops was you know expensive store. Um, Flemsworth, massive, massive. Uh, Stamp of a horse, probably too big and not athletic enough last year. Struggled to get get out of his own way in, in a couple of races that he had. Uh, again, strength strengthened up, and but looks more more able to do himself justice this year. Um, you know, I'd be I'd be really concerned if we um, we we can't win a couple with him, and as he progresses through the ranks. And uh, you know, I think we do well to be anywhere near as good, but. You know, Joe's mentioning the same sort of it's what they had with Copperhead, right? Did not did nothing in his first year, and then suddenly suddenly looked a bit more athletic and got the hang of the game and, and made giant strides. So you know, if if we're fifteen pounds off that, I'll be pleased. And I I'd just like to mention horse here. Like I think Jim has mentioned to me probably about once a week <laughs> uh, for the past few months. We take care of our own. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so again, uh, the tried and tested yard of Johnny Fogarty. Um, so unraced Marla, um, related to uh, the Mullins horse was called James Castleborne West. Castleborne West, uh, half brother to to him, and um, showing. Apparently showing very very good things um, at home, as I'm sure they all say they are. But this one apparently is um, shipped over to the Tizards. He's a four-year-old. Went to him last week. He's, you know, he looks every every bit like a, a big stain chaser. So we'll have to go easy with him, and you know, take a few weeks to bed in there. Um, so Tizards haven't particularly worked him. So we we don't really know what we've got other than. What we what we trust from Johnny and, and, and Ross, but they 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 certainly talk about him in in uh, pretty excited terms. So fingers crossed. As soon as you see him hit the track, where do you see them ears? Them ears are something special. They, oh, it's like enable ears almost. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. 
Jim's been all about him enough that I might I might sit in the entire house on him. <laughs> thing is, thing is I, I, before he came over, talking about these the, the pace he was showing that you know he was thinking super, supreme, and then um, so you know I have to get my hundred and fifty to one on the supreme, but then I, I saw him in the flesh last last week, and you couldn't be having it. He's just he's he's a giant, absolute giant. We'll do the Supreme Midlands National Double. Exactly. <laughs> work. Are there any other unraced uh, horses yeah. that are worth mention? Yeah, I, th- I think um, just just a couple, I guess. We've got uh, another Flemings Firth, not nice horse shown, fair bit at home, called Birdman Bob with the Tizards. So, again, I think the, the idea is that that one in the bumper and, you know, perhaps to a race in the middle of November at Wing Canton over Novice Hurdles. Uh, and we've got a nice Milan um, four-year-old called Scarface, again, being, being sh- showing up to be relatively smart, I think, towards the, the front end of their of their unraced ones. But, um, again, we'll wait to see what happens on the track, but we're, we're excited about that one. And also you've got Going Gone, who was a recent winner at Epsom, devastating performance. Uh, juvenile hurdle campaign for him? Uh yeah, potentially, potentially. Uh, we'll, we'll see see how he comes out of it. I think the the idea is it, because it was the uh, amateur derby. He can I think he can run in a race at Nottingham next week unpenalised. Um, as I say, the uh, the intellects at time form have, uh, have put him up to some high looking um, rating. But um, yeah, ho- ho- hopefully let, let, let's get that out of the way and we'll see. Um, I mean, we, we always thought at the back of our minds he might be a trying force, but then I think my take from that race and and and, and Richards as well was that all he all he looked to do was stay, and um, you know he won very very comfortably, but he was just staying and staying, wasn't he? Um, but we'll yeah we'll see. He's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, that two months off certainly looked like it seriously made the difference, and he'd strengthened up a hell of a lot more. So yeah. another another uh, winter on his back and summer, and uh, it could be a, a force to be reckoned with. Let's hope so. Yeah, and it's not just going on on the flat. Obviously, you've got a, you've got a smaller fat string, but that includes, of course, the mighty Hen Harrier. Yeah, yeah. The best in the world. <laughs> put the jinx on that, didn't he? <laughs> it wasn't to be, but Hodler's a, a, an exciting prospect, probably going into next season after just injuring himself at Windsor last time. Yeah, I mean, the form of his uh, his debut race at Windsor's um, ridiculous, right? So, and um, I think he, again, he was last off the bridle there. I'm not not quite sure how he didn't manage to win the the maiden at Goodwood, but um, uh, you know, he got himself in all sorts of trouble and pulled for three quarters of the race, but a hell of a performance. So, Jim, he shouldn't. He's by see the moon. He shouldn't be showing that much speed, and um, he's a nice physical specimen. So. Maybe it's for the best. Get again, get a decent winter on him, and you know Jim thinks he's as, as good as he's trained. And but that farm you talk about at Windsor took another plus today in Chantilly, I think. Old uh, yeah. Elberdegan of yeah. James Ferguson's won. So the form of that that race is strength to strength every every week. Yeah, looking yeah. forward to seeing Hodler next season. Looks like he could be quite a nice quite a nice three year old. What he's done already is. He say he's above average and, and hopefully there should be more to come from him. It looks like there should be more to come from him. Uh, I, I guess just just before we go, just uh, with your relationship with, with your jockeys, Paul. Obviously, you've had a lot of success with Robbie Power. 
which other riders do you look at and, and, and you admire the most? I think going back, we, we sort of touched upon Archibald. Um, I was, you know, absolutely mad back, poor Carberry blind. And um, <laughs> he served me well. So um, I was the only person in Charlton who backed Nick and all when it beat um, the Nichols um, tank, Denman, <laughs> um, that, that, that year. And um, obviously, you know, probably probably the greatest jumps jockey being, being Ruby. Always amazing to to watch him, particularly on the big days, and you know he's gone on to be just a brilliant, brilliant um, analyst, hasn't he? And um, you know it's not not a word he says that that you, you don't hang on to. So he's great. I think um, in terms of this year, um, Robbie's not fit yet, so hopefully he'll get back. I think for the Tizards, they you know they're trying to find some consistencies, having the same people. Right, the jockeys have had um, obviously Harry riding a bit through the summer when he's, he's probably less required um, for for Nichols and we've seen Brendan Powell Jr. come in doing a great job recently as well. So you know we're we're, we're again very much guided by the stable and um, but yeah we, we we've got lots of good choices. Quality, mate, absolutely quality. It's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for joining us. No problem, gents. Wish you the best for the year. It's always a good listen. Before we go, Paul, can we yeah. just ask you, because Jim and I will be recording the season preview uh, within, well, ideally, before Chepstow, and we are putting the Turf Talk 12 together, would you be able to put a horse forward to follow for this year's Turf Talk 12? Killer Kane. Killer Kane. We love it. We've got one. Exciting. All right, chaps. Cheers. Thank, Thank you very you. much, Paul. Nice one. Bye. Thanks. Thanks to Paul Taylor for joining us. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to that. I've, I've really enjoyed speaking to Paul. You can, you can tell his passion comes across so well, Jim. Yeah, a, a fantastic person to listen to and his passion from the sports starting. And I'm very fortunate to have a group of young lads that young, uh, all so passionate in national racing and, and going there and uh, a, a terrific, terrific person to listen to, and uh, I wish him all the best of luck with his, his squad this season because it, it's, it's looking strong. Uh, it's this time of year, where your novice prospects get exciting, and uh, there's a few in there that I can't wait to see out, and uh, hopefully the, the, the stable bounce back to a bit stronger form, and Lost can rekindle some of his old fire. So uh, I can't wait for it now. Will it be back to you back in a teaser horse every week? Napping any, any teaser horse that runs. Of course, the drum will be out at, at the Betfair <laughs> Chase meeting and the, the propaganda will begin again. Um, and oh, I, 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 they're just going to bounce straight back and hopefully everything's all sorted now. We love it, mate. It's going to be good fun. I can't wait for the jumps now, pal. Say so we've got our first Turf Talk 12 horse there, Killer Kane. Looking forward to seeing how he does. I say. A lot of promise last season in novice and maiden hurdles. We're in the process of putting of putting it together, aren't we, Jim? I, I, I think it's a tough one to, to come up with last year. Last year, I could have said about 10 horses. This season, I was struggling, but I think I've settled on mine. Yeah, I'm still a bit on the ropes with mine. Um, might take me a couple more days to decide who I'm going to be going for. Um, but I, I, it, it, like you said, I, I find it a lot more difficult this year and um, we had a decent amount of success last year, so yeah, but it was very, very good, wasn't it? Yeah, very good. 
hopefully we can replicate that. Uh, I'm looking forward to recording the season preview. Uh, we're hoping we'll have regular guests as well this year, so hopefully it should be a good year for the podcast. And what a cracking way to kick it off. Before we go, Jim, I mean, I guess we do have to mention the arc. Uh, who do we think wins it? The biggest flat race in Europe, and it's been a good one. This It's going to be a good one this year. I'm really looking forward to it. You've got a really strong fancy in this, so I'm going to let you go first. And it's not often the art de triomphe really gets your pulses boiling. Well, no, I just I, I just think Abe has a, a phenomenally good middle distance race horse. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the best middle distance horse in Europe. Physically, it looks like he should still be improving on the track. Everything suggests he should still be improving if he's right or win. I think I think the market was wrong earlier in the week when Tanawa was favourite over him. I think. It's corrected itself now. I think Adiyar's the right favourite, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a serious, serious performance from him. As in, I, I'm not expecting him just to win. I'm expecting him to win it well. Interesting. I, I'm, I'm with the uh, Mayor Tanawa. Uh, I think this has been the plan all the season since, well, even probably since last season uh, when winning the Opera. Uh, they probably thought they should have chanced their arm and, and gone for the art, but they they didn't. And the Breeders' Cup turf race, I, I was very impressed with how she did there. And Keeneland isn't a track that often favours horses that come from the back. And um, if she showed the other side to her at Leopardstown first time out this year, um, seating Colin Keane on the way down to start and being a bit marish, um, but still absolutely blitzed up. And I don't think that second behind St Mark's Basilica over a a distance that probably wouldn't suit her as much as the, the winner was, was an awfully bad run, um, carried fairly wide as well, which I, I don't think it would have made a difference on the day. I think St. Mark's Basilica uh, has been a very, very good three-year-old this year, and it's worth noting that I I, I think he's been slightly underappreciated this year, and going to going to study is probably the right thing to do, and uh be interesting to see how he does in, in with his progeny in the next couple of years' time. But uh, I think to now, where you can get 72 in some places, uh, which looks like it's screaming out to be taken, and for me, I, I, she's the winner. Ooh, I, I texted you earlier and I said I'd have, I'd have Hurricane Lane over Tanawa in the pecking order. Me, <sighs> very strong opinions. The boys in blue, are, are you riding out for him or something? Yep, I'm Ahmed Ajtebe. <laughs> I wonder where he is nowadays. I, I'd like to know. Oh, I don't know. Working in Sainsbury's. I'd assume. Uh, Jimbo, before we we wrap up on the act, are there any other horses you'd, you'd give a you'd give a chance? Good to see Japan with two big chances with Chronogenesis and Deep Bond. I guess it'd also be a victory for Japan if Snowfall won, given she's a deep impact. Yeah, I, I can see Snowfall running into the places. I think that that race last time was a falsely run race, and Tiona was sort of fortunate the way she was placed and given a very excellent ride. Um, Frankie probably should have been a slight bit closer and he, he did criticise himself in interviews that he said afterwards and Snowfall's been very good this year. And, um, but she's not beaten a horse that's run to above 105, ever. She hasn't, but she's beaten by a comfortable enough distance. Um, and I think going into this, you could go slightly under the radar. Love's going for this in my... I, well, pardon the pun, love of last year. Um, she's just not been quite the same animal this year. and uh, You never know. Edna O'Brien's horses are coming back into form now, so 
anything really could happen. I still think Love is the best filly in Ballydale. Do you think Love's better than Snowfall? Over a mile and four? Yeah, I do. I think I might have to slightly disagree with you there. Um, which is not like me. I know it's a minority view, but... I don't know, Jim. I'm, I'm, I think I think the horse who uh, beat Love last time out, La Petite Coco, is a very progressive and potentially a very very good filly as well. Uh, look, it's, there's so much to talk about. Really, we might have Stradivarius versus Trushan. The Abbey is always one of my favourite races of the year. In fact, I think it is my favourite race of the year. I was thinking about this the other day. I think that the Abbey. I think the fa- if the Abbey had a good camera angle. I'd be the biggest advocate of that race. I'd, I'd target everything at the Abbey, even Santini. Um, because this year, it's, it's looking like it's a right race. You've got Squazer in there, uh, who won at Goodwood. Glass Slippers, um, who the, the Keeneland Queen, um, who was unlucky in this last year. Emma Ratiana, who won the Sprint Cup. Winter Power. Uh, who won the Nunthorpe and was disappointing since. Uh, even your other horses, like Dan Dalla, who bounced back to form air uh, in that listed race, um, stepped back to five, looked looked in, in favour. It's just, it's just a cracky race. I, I adore the Abbey. Genuinely, if it had a better camera angle, it'd be the main event of the weekend for me. The sprinters are the best part of the flat. By yeah, a mile. I, yeah. I just love how, how you, know, you can get how the horses can often step up from handicap company and win it and how you have I feel like you you seem to get much more 33 to 1 shots running well in sprint races than you do I guess because luck luck plays more of a part in sprints and you need more luck in running but I always think it's the, the better each way punting races than you know when does a 50 to 1 shot win over the middle distances rare but you can you can have a couple running to places on in the sprints. Maybe that's not scientific at all. Maybe I've just invented that, but that's how it feels to me. Yeah, and and it's not only good racing at Longshot this weekend. You look at Newmarket uh, on Saturday and that Kingdom of Bahrain, some chariot stakes. Snow Lantern versus Alcohol Free versus Mother Earth versus Saffron Beach again. I feel like we've seen it a lot this season, um, but... You chuck them back into the race again to see what goes on, and, and it's a cracking race. And uh, alcohol-free has done tremendous this year. So Snow Lantern, Mother Earth's ultra consistent and, and arguably very unlucky last time in the Matron. Um, Saffron Beach bounced back to form. It's an exciting time and, and one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, can't wait, Jim. Cracking stuff. Some good novice chases as well this weekend. I hope the one at uh... Kalani on Sunday's got a couple of interesting entries, including Riviere, the tell of Gordon Elliott's, uh, you know, not a bad juvenile filly last season, Soviet Pimpernel's in there as well, a dancing on my own who's been off for a while. Look, I'm just looking forward to it. Magic Days is in there as well uh, for Henry the Bromhead. Cracking time we urge him. Gearing up for Chepstalt, we'll have our season preview uh, on soon. Thanks to you for joining us again, Paul. Thank you very much for Paul as well to uh, taking time out of his day to speak to us. Very greatly appreciated. And thanks once again, Lewis, for, for taking control. Yeah, thanks for rating the races as well for their support. Uh, we're looking forward to the jump season. Hope you've enjoyed listening to myself, Jim and Paul, and we'll see you all again soon. Take Roll care. on, Chepstow. <laughs>